into the darkness. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you. None like you. Our God. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome and power. Our God. Our God. Our God. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher. For us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what can stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what can stand
From there, we moved south to Lesotho, and then God brought us to Kigoma Baptist Hospital, where we've been serving for the last seven years. In Western Tennessee, it literally is at the end of the road, because we're right on the Lake Tanganyika. God has placed us in an area that is predominantly Islamic. Healthcare in our part of the world, there is a great limitation of resources that are available. We have patients that are admitted with severe malaria dysentery. Every year we have an outbreak of cholera. We don't have adequate numbers of resources and personnel on the field to be able to meet all the needs. But we have partnerships with a number of different churches and on various levels. When a church comes in, partners with us to provide that kind of care, it literally changes the people's lives, both physically but also spiritually. Using healthcare strategies is like a key that opens the door to get into a village that we might not have access to. Not far outside of the town that we live in is a small village. Completely unreached on the fringes of town. We met with local leaders and we asked permission to come to that village and do a week-long medical dental eye clinic. Through that opportunity, God used that to start a new church plant. That village has been a huge impact. Growing in their faith in Jesus Christ and being disciple. Just this past week, one person came and repented and said, no, I need this Jesus. The kingdom of light is coming in Tanzania, bursting through the darkness like we've never seen. Thank you. 
Send us out together in Jesus' pain. Change the leper's spots and melt. 
In his book, uh, The Tale of the Tardy Oxcart, Chuck Swindoll relates the story of an eight-year-old Kenyan girl named Monica who fell into a pit and broke her leg. And Mama and Jerry, an older woman, seeing what had happened, climbed into the pit to rescue Monica, and in the pit there was a black mamba. 
the deadliest snake on earth. And after they both fell in there, the snake bit both of them. And little Monica, she survived, but Mama and Jerry unfortunately passed away. And the doctor told uh, Monica and the other people that the reason Monica survived was because when Mama and Jerry jumped into the pit to save her, to, to protect her, the snake bit her first. And all of the venom went into her. And when the snake bit the little girl, you know, didn't have any venom left. And it's a pretty good picture of Jesus rescuing us from our sin. The Bible says sin is like a serpent. Uh, that it's poison. That it infects all of our lives and that, that none of us are without that guilt or without that problem. In fact, Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And just like the example of, of Mama and Jerry, we, uh, we're in danger of being poisoned and infected by that snake, but Jesus places himself in between us to rescue us. Now, like all analogies, it, it fails in a couple of spots. Uh, we've already been bitten. But Jesus is a Savior who can jump into the pit with us and not only take the rest of our 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 danger and, and shield us from it, but he can heal us of the bite we've already retained. We're going to come here in a few moments and, and have some folks come and help us to serve uh, the elements of communion today, uh, what we call the Lord's Supper. Um, a lot of people have different ideas about why Jesus came to earth and who he is. But Jesus himself said in the book of Luke chapter 9, he said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. We look over in John chapter 1 verse 29 and we see the picture of John the Baptist there. He's baptizing people by the river. And the Bible says that he was preparing the way for the one who would come after him, who would be the Messiah. And one day John is out there baptizing people just like we did here today. Those who were already believing that the Messiah was at hand hadn't even seen Jesus yet, hadn't even heard of Jesus yet, hadn't, he hadn't begun his ministry on earth and they were already reaching out in faith and saying that they would be followers of the Messiah. And John sees him coming and he says, look, there's the one who will take away the sins of the world. Now that's a big picture, right? The world. It's going to take away the sins of the world. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have life eternal. Again, it's that big picture of the world. But in Luke chapter 22, where this tradition comes from, Jesus got much more personal with his disciples. And it gets much more personal with you. Because as he broke bread there with his disciples and, and he began to teach them, he talked about the old ways and he talked about the old covenant, the promise that God had made with the people of Israel that they would have a Messiah. And he said to them, but I bring you a new covenant in my blood. And they didn't fully understand what was going to happen yet. 
even though many of them knew the prophecies, there were no details specifically that, that, that the Messiah would be crucified necessarily, but he would be punished. He would bleed, but his body would not be, his bones would not be broken. But he would suffer injuries to his flesh on our behalf. He would spill his blood on our behalf because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so as he sat there with his disciples and they, they celebrated the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Jesus looked at his disciples and he says to you today, this is my body given for you. This is my blood poured out for you. Not the world, although it encompasses the world, but for you. You know, if you're like uh, at our house, you receive all kinds of mail throughout the week. A lot of junk mail. You know what I mean? An occupant. Resident. It's not very personal. Um, you might even get uh, mail that uh, I get sometimes. I get to Ms. Track Simmons. Right? Ms. Track. Uh, a few, few errant keystrokes there, but an attempt to be personalized. But you and I, if we, if we go to the mailbox and, and we look in there and we see that there's a certain type of envelope, maybe a certain shape of envelope, and it's got someone's handwritten address on there, and your name is there, handwritten, and maybe it's even text that you recognize, right? There's some days you could go to the mailbox and just see something in there that someone, someone has, has written your name and address on it, and you don't even have to guess who it's from. You just know because it's personalized and it looks just like them. And when you take that pile of mail into the house and you've got it, now before you even get to the countertop in your house, you have organized it, right? A lot of times I just take a trip by the garbage can on the way in, right? But it'll be like junk mail, bills, things that might be important, a personal letter. Right there on top. Isn't that how it works? You might even start opening that thing before you get in the house. Because you're excited about what's in there. Because it almost always brings good news or good tidings. And that's how this message is for us today. We talk about international missions, giving gifts that will go around the world. But at the, at the other side of every one of those dollars is, is a person, a, a human, a soul that people like this gentleman are working with. That Jesus says the same to them that he says to you. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. And the question that that leaves us with is how do we respond then 
see Jesus doing this for us. And what the Bible calls us to is, is to faith. It calls us to following him. The Bible says, uh, Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, do the things that I've shown you to do. Live a life where you are, you are an example of the presence of Christ within you. The Bible says that if we want to accept the sacrifice that Jesus has made and the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood, we must confess that we are sinners in need of a Savior. We have to recognize that we're, we're in danger, we're in the pit, we're, we've been bitten by sin, and we need someone to save us because we can't save ourselves, and that someone is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we are those people, if we are those who say, I am a follower of Christ, I accept his sacrifice for me, then when we come to this table and we, we celebrate this together, the Bible says that we are reminded of his death, we are reminded of his sacrifice, and we are reminded of the eternal life that he promises us. And so then the Bible also says that we shouldn't come to this table unworthily. Uh, this passage in 1 Corinthians is actually kind of entertaining if you, if you pay attention to it. I just want to read this for you. This is one of the places where the Apostle Paul writes some specific instructions about the Lord's Supper, the communion. And um, there can be scholarly debate about whether this is an exact template, like it must be this way every time. I, I don't find that to be a very compelling argument. Um, Paul was writing this letter in many ways to deal with some very specific problems in this church, but they are notes that we should take for sure and consider them in, in our lives. So he says, uh, in the following instructions, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 17 through 34, and you kind of, the way that this is phrased uh, reminds me of sometimes um, the way that I am tempted to talk to people in that I can, um, I can insult people and they don't know that I'm doing it. Maybe later. <laughs> I would say it's a gift, but I'm not sure it is. And I try not to use it anymore because I used to be a jerk. Um, but he says, in the following instructions I do not commend you. Because when you come together, it is not for the better or for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. This reminds me of, I've shared it with you before, my favorite uh, Irish proverb. Lord, may all that love us, love us. And Lord, may them that don't, may you turn their hearts. And if you can't turn their hearts, then turn their ankles. So we'll know them by their limping. <laughs> That's basically what he's saying. He says, look, you guys, aren't, you guys aren't either hitting it out of the park or going down in the basement, but here's what's happening. There's division among you, and I think that's a good thing, because at least if there's division among you, I can pick out the people who are authentic. 
And he says this is a bad thing, to have division among you. He says, and in the second place, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? It says that, but, isn't it? It says, one goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. And what was happening here is that the, the, the celebration of this, and this is a very short time after Jesus has ascended back into heaven. This didn't take long for the church to go off in the corner. He says, not only are there divisions among you, which isn't good because we're supposed to be a body, we're supposed to be united, but secondarily, when you're supposed to come together and be sober-minded and remember the death, the sacrifice, the eternal life that Jesus has promised us, instead, you're sitting down and you're gorging yourselves. And you're not even waiting on your brother or sister to come and join you. As soon as you get there, it's like, it's like all right, now, I'm going to get honest now. You've been to the potluck. Where the people in front took all the good food. Right? You get up to the table and you're like, man, there's nothing left here but like biscuits and salad. And that's what was happening. People were clamoring to get there the nights that they were going to have this, this feast. And they would fill their plates and they would fill their glasses. They would eat and drink to excess in the house of the Lord even. And he says, are you trying to even humiliate those who don't have any food by being so gross in the church? And so he said, this isn't good. He said, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. So he's saying, I taught you how to do this and the way that you're doing is not how I taught you. And the way that I taught you, Jesus gave to me directly. I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, The cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Wherefore, therefore, whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, meaning when you have divisions with one another, if you're doing it because you're excited that, ooh, grape juice and crackers, I'm so hungry right now, in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine themselves then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. When he says the body there, without discerning the body means whoever comes to this table without first looking inward and saying, am I, am I in the right spiritual space to partake of this? Am I angry with the brother or sister sitting next to me? I, I should work that out before I come to this table. Am I distracted? Is my head somewhere else? And this is just a, 
a me mechanical thing I'm going to do, or does this really matter to me right now? Am I thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ and his body and his blood and his suffering and his sacrifice and the eternal life that he's offered to me? That's what he says. If you don't examine those things, you come to the table in an unworthy manner. And he says, you will drink and eat judgment unto yourself. That's why some of you, many of you are weak and ill and some have died. Man, that's serious, right? Because however you come to this moment, however you come to this table, is probably how you're living your life. Selfishly. Without thought for the Lord Jesus Christ. See, this shouldn't be the moment we arrive at where we go, oh, I'm going to consider what Jesus has done for me. This should be the, the, the pinnacle of that in our lives. Every moment. Everything we do, every breath we take, considering the majesty of Jesus' sacrifice for us, his love towards us, and then we express it together here. So he says, So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anybody's hungry, let them eat at home. This isn't for that. So that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. So we have many different ways in which we do this uh, in Christ Community Church because we like to keep things sometimes interesting. It just it changes our perspective on things. But we're going to do it a specific way. I'm gonna, we're going to run a video here first. And when the video is done, I'm going to ask those who are helping me this morning to come and uh, administer communion. <laughs> Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna give you some instruction about the video, and then I want you to think through that and do whatever you need to do. When these folks come to help me, it's our uh, elders and uh, rest of the pastoral team, and I think Don Ashley is gonna help us out this morning as well. Uh, they will bring those out, and we'll pass the plates, and uh, you'll take the bread, you'll take the cup, I want you to hold it until everyone has been served. Just like it said there. And then we'll take it together. Each, each element. Does that make sense? Um, because we have been asked before, uh, we are happy to provide that uh, we have a, a gluten-free element here today. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to come here, and one of the pastors will assist you with that. Uh, but it's a concern for some of our folks, and we don't want to leave them out. All right, so, uh, and the final thing is, uh, because you may come from another tradition, uh, two things. Um, we practice open communion here, which means if you are a follower of Christ, and all of these things that I've talked about, you reconcile those, and you are in a place where you can come in a worthy manner, we invite you to join us in communion. You don't have to be a member of this church to join us in that. Um, second, we do not use fermented grape juice. We use regular grape juice. Um, because we know that we have brothers and sisters here who struggle with alcohol, and we don't want to cause them to stumble in that, in this place. And we believe that God honors that and, uh, and is happy with us to do that because we're caring for our brothers and sisters. Amen? All right, so that's what we do. Here's the video. We're going to run it. Here's what I want you to think about. There's lots of words and imagery in here that you'll see. 
Uh, is there something today that you need to, before this happens for you, something that you need to lay down to the Lord? And maybe, is there something also that you need to take up with the Lord in the manner of service or obedience or commitment or giving or something? Ask the Lord to speak to you about those things through the video and all the way through this process. Be still and listen for the voice of the Lord to you. All right?
All right, I'll ask those who are going to come and help this one to come here and uh, stand at the table. And I'll just say maybe that has resonated with you this morning, the, the things that I've said, the words of the video, and you realize this morning perhaps you're, you're the first. This is, a, this is your moment to become a follower of Christ. You're, you're realizing that you want to follow Christ and you haven't been. And I just encourage you right now, take a moment, speak to the Lord in your heart, pray. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I've been disobedient to what you want for me in my life. Please forgive me. I receive the gift of eternal life that is offered to me by the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Fill me with your spirit. Begin to teach me how to live for you. And transform me from the inside out into who you want me to be. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer this morning when we're finished, I want you to come and talk with me, all right? I'd like to, to know that and share that with you, celebrate that with you. And then if that's you and all the other things that we've talked about, for those who are believers, I encourage you to, to consider the worthiness of your approach to the Lord's Supper today. And so the scripture says that as Jesus was there with his disciples, he was teaching them and at some point in the meal, he took the cup and he blessed it and gave thanks. And they each took it and drank. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. So will you please uh, take the cup?
Father, we thank you for this cup, the remembrance of your sacrifice for us. And in so doing, we do this in remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible says in the same manner he took the bread, and he broke it, gave thanks, and said unto them, do this in remembrance of me. And uh, if you would like to partake of the gluten-free that we have here, I'll ask you to just go ahead and come on up. Don't be shy.
Father, we give you thanks for this bread, a remembrance of the body of Christ given for us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. The rest of the story says that in a celebration we see later in the New Testament that they would observe this together and then sing a song before they go out. And so we're going to sing one more song together this morning. I ask you to join us. Lift your voices, lift your hands. You're welcome to stand. Gentlemen, Diana, thank you. I just ask you to continue to reflect on the moment. Ask the Lord to speak to you.
face to shine upon you. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed today. It certainly has been a blessing to me, and I'm glad that you've been here. Got a couple of announcement videos for you, and, uh, and then we'll be done. I don't know if Jason's got any direct announcements he needs to do, but if he does, he says he's good. So, Two video announcements. Be blessed. Have a great week. I love you, and I uh, hope that you've enjoyed today. I sure have.